The Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. Know the difference. Now, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News. Another big jobs number. A bank bites the dust and is the Fed handcuffed? You picked a great time to be on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Welcome, everybody. I'm Danny Clayton, Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer. Welcome. Thank you, Danny. Dave Spano, President and CEO of Annex Wealth Management. Welcome to you. Yeah, thank you, Danny. And what a day it was on Friday. Lots of questions, lots of concerns. And I guess we're going to have to start with three letters, SVB. Right, uh, Silicon Valley Bank. Essentially, they were out of business. They were forced to close by the FDIC. The bank will probably be sold over the weekend. And the thing about that bank that's kind of interesting is they were a source of financing for any number of venture capital firms in Silicon Valley and the rest. And essentially what happened is an old-fashioned run on the bank. Right. And you remember, of course, that in 08 and 09, uh, that happened a lot. You know, remember back in those days, we'd come in on Saturday mornings to do radio shows and we'd have to announce the bank failures. And that went on for a long time, Danny. But this concern is a little different. Their balance sheet is much different than the big banks on how they're financed. Right, and, and they aren't subject to the same level of stress tests that the J.P. Morgans and Wells Fargo's of the world are. So essentially what happened is they had bought a bunch of bonds, and as depositors were moving money out of the firm, whether it's to buy treasury bills or to finance their own offerings, they basically had a, a capital squeeze. So what they had to do is sell bonds at a loss. They had to write that down. In addition, they issued equity to basically raise more capital. But at the same time, on Twitter and everywhere else, people were saying, pull your money. And that got to the point where they basically couldn't meet all of those requests. And the FDIC stepped in on Friday afternoon. Yeah. And they shut the bank down. And over the weekend, as you said, there probably is going to be some type of more movement. And of course, when you hear that, you go, what happens to my money? If you were a customer, well, they're going to, on Monday morning, we're going to get some more information, but very likely the way this works is the FDIC comes in and then honors all of those deposits as this has happened before. So it's not anything that is new, but it's something that we don't want to make into a domino effect because of what the Fed is doing. And as you know, Derek, I have been pounding on the Federal Reserve for a long time that they're going to keep raising rates until they break something. And boy, oh boy, this might be right at the cliff. Yeah, and, it, and it's kind of ironic. It's right in front of another CPI and PPI report ne- early next week, then the FOMC meeting on the 21st and 22nd of March. And, and you know, what you were saying that implicitly in that is in the Fed's effort to quell inflation, they're starting to create credit risk in the economy. And that's something that that is more problematic in many ways than whether the inflation rate is 4.2 or 4.1 percent. And let me just amplify itself. Okay, let me just jump in and ask you this question. Of course, the Federal Reserve, one of their jobs is this mandate that we talk about, but they also supervise the banks, so they they're in this on both sides. I certainly believe that they're aware of the situation there, the vulnerability that that bank had to you know kind of a drying up of capital in Silicon Valley. Again, we saw very little M and A new IPO activity last year. So some of these growing startup companies have been 
thirsting for capital and they were a lender at, at, at those levels. Uh, the other thing that we need to talk about too is, you know, we did have that jobs report right. on Friday yep. and it was a little better than expected at 311,000, but the unemployment rate did rise from 3.4% to 3.6. And we have seen a slight uptick in jobless claims. So the impact of these Fed measures is starting to have a little bit of an impact on the labor market. And the big story then, of course, was we have this tool that we look at it, what we think the Fed is going to do. It's a Fed watch tool. And earlier in the week, it was 75% chance that they were going to raise that by 50 basis points at the next meeting. That precipitously dropped later in the week. Right, down to 30%. And the other point that we keep making is, you know, the two-year note is now yielding 4.61%. So if the Fed does raise that rate by 25 basis points, just as an example, that will be north of where the two-year is. And historically, that is about the time that the Fed begins to think about pausing because, again, we know monetary policy acts with a lag, rate increases act with a lag, and reduction of the balance sheet reduces liquidity, which is something that we saw uh, negatively impact Silicon Valley bank shares. Derek Felsky is our chief investment officer. Dave Spano is our president and CEO. Still to come on the show, financial planning in a changing tax world. Yep, that is definitely a big topic. Ask Annex is on the way. And avoiding mistakes with your will. We love the radio, always love it, but sometimes you can only catch it when it's on. If you want it on demand, get the Week in Review this weekend on the Annex Wealth Management YouTube channel. You can get the Week in Review on the Axiom, which is delivered Sunday mornings. And if you don't, Subscribe to that. You should, because it's free. Or Spotify. At the top of the hour, search Annex Wealth Management. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, Sunday, March 12th. We're going to be right back. This is 92.5 Fox News. In a recent study, over one-third of millionaires predicted their ability to feel financially secure in retirement is going to take a miracle. At Annex Wealth Management, we believe a plan, not a miracle, will help increase your retirement confidence. Our team of experts gets to work using leading-edge technology to build a comprehensive plan covering investment, retirement, tax, and estate planning. And Annex doesn't have products to push with hidden fees or commissions. There's too much of that already. More planning, less miracles. Build confidence with Annex Wealth Management. AnnexWealth.com. We are back. Also like to say hello to a brand new audience, just in case you didn't change your clocks. Welcome. Uh, this is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Connect with us, the Axiom free weekly newsletter. We're on social media like LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Annex Wealth Management YouTube channel, quite good with a bunch of videos that we produced. Lots of learning stuff, highly searchable. SWAT podcasts on Monday mornings that strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And again, a reminder, the show available on demand at the top of the hour on Spotify. Derek Felsky is our Chief Investment Officer, Annex Wealth Management. Dave Spano, President and CEO. Thank you, Danny. Of course, you know, a big story is what is happening not only with the failure of the Silicon Valley Bank, but of course the Federal Reserve. But, you know, the real arbiter has always been the bond market, and it made some big moves this week. Right. I mean, last week, at one point, the uh, 10-year was trading at 4.08%. It's backed off all the way to 3.69. It's a big move. I mentioned that the two-year was down to 4.6, down from over 5% uh, earlier this week. And as you mentioned, the odds of that 50 basis 
basis point rate hike on March 22nd have diminished dramatically. And perversely, one of the, I guess you, if you're looking for the glasses half full, um, you know, restricted lending by banks, which is of course occurring, that's what also happened at Silicon Valley, uh, really reduces the need for further rate hikes because it does have a way of, of reducing the stimulus in the economy and, and causes demand to drop off and, and credit conditions to tighten. And that's, that's something the Fed has been trying to do. You know, we're hoping, obviously, this doesn't become a systemic issue. We don't think it will at this point. But it's really hard to step in front of this kind of a freight tan on a Friday because we know housing prices have been weakening. We know real, the commercial real estate market is somewhat fragile. And we also know that, you know, corporate credit is, you know, has been pretty well received. So interest rates have remained low and, and credit spreads haven't blown out. So that's a good sign that things are not likely to get much worse. Well, let's talk about the jobs report because that is was a concern going in. And there has been revisions after every single jobs report, and we still remain skeptical of what we saw earlier in the year. Right. There were some downward revisions to the jobs growth we saw in January, which was a blowout number way above expectations. This report was kind of mixed. You know, the, the wage growth actually slowed a little bit, which is a positive. I did mention the unemployment rate ticked up. So we're all going to be waiting to see what the CPI and PPI bring us early next week. That's going to give us another data point. Jerome Powell alluded to that during his FOMC, his uh, testimony before the Senate and the House this week, essentially saying they are data dependent, but I am sure what's going on in Silicon Valley got their attention. So data dependent means they are looking backwards. And of course, looking forward is what we do here. And that is really making some educated guesses based on what we see. But there are themes that you can take advantage of in this type of environment. And you don't want to jump in front of the steamroller, but there are still ways to look for quality and profitable companies. Well, absolutely. Even within the financial services sector, there are any number of companies that were taken down on on these reports that really aren't negatively impacted by these events. You know, stock like company like Schwab went down, I think, 10% two days in a row. That seemed to be a bit of an overreaction. You saw companies like Key Corp and Regions Financial, two very high quality regional banks, go down rather sharply, too. I heard an analyst from one of our competitors talk about uh, the fundamentals at Key, and he didn't seem particularly concerned, and he's very aware of what's what's going on in their balance sheet. So, again, you've got to have a measured perspective. And, and one thing we've been emphasizing all along is to buy profitable businesses, because when you see capital become taken away and liquidity becoming a problem, it's companies that can generate their own free cash flow, pay dividends, buy back shares, and grow their business internally that ought to win in an environment like this. And we talk about, of course, that the market sometimes overreacts in the short term, and it's, what do you say, ready, shoot, aim. So there is certainly a bit of an overreaction, and that's when you have to start looking what is in your portfolio. Do you have some cash on hand? Should you reallocate your portfolio? These are all the questions that you have to ask yourself. And folks, this is what an elite wealth management firm does. It reacts to the facts and circumstances, and it positions your portfolio going forward. Dave, did you see in the uh, Jolts report last week that 6 million people took new jobs? If that's you folks, if you're listening, it's a great time to completely look at your plan. And and if you had a 401k at an old company, now's the time to really grab that as well. Yeah, we can start there and maybe figure out a better plan for you, one built by a fee-only fiduciary for investment and retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning, because that's the way we do it. Financial planning in a changing tax world, important stuff. We're going to talk about that next on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News.
If the only tool you have is a hammer, everything you fix looks like a nail. Same thing goes for some annuity salesmen. Need help with tax planning? Maybe you need an annuity. Recession coming? Have you tried an annuity? Retirement planning? You get the picture. Sometimes you need more than a one-tool solution. It's time for serious fee-only fiduciary planning from Annex Wealth Management. Our in-house team of experts will offer you a rigorously tested plan built just for you. Annex Wealth Management. Know the difference. Back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. Robert Chastain, Branch Director, Wealth Manager, Annex Wealth Management, Southwest Florida. Hey. Hey, Danny. How are you? Not bad. 44% of American couples in a 2021 Fidelity Investment Survey said they fight about financial issues, at least occasionally. Setting up an investing plan with your partner, sticking to it, it's critical to building wealth. And it's important to work together as a couple, Robert. The numbers don't lie. They do not. The outcomes that we see when both spouses are fully involved, fully committed, and rowing the boat in the same direction, those are almost always the best outcomes. How to invest as a couple. There are investment choices depending upon what exactly you're saving for. Let's talk about some of the most typical account types, Robert. Well, so the first account that you you typically see is either a joint or a trust account, which is a taxable brokerage account. And then if both of you work, uh, hopefully you've both taken advantage of the 401k accounts and have a vast amount of savings there and investments. And then last but not least, bank accounts. Not my favorite because obviously you can get much better rates doing some things with other investment instruments. But you, you should keep some type of emergency funds readily available, especially in Southwest Florida in a local bank. Well, you know, bank accounts were like the Jan Brady of investment vehicles for the long time. <laughs> but really, just maybe in the last, you know, as interest rates have gone up, there's all of a sudden there are some cash alternatives. Uh, there are. And, and actually, speaking of cash alternatives, we're doing a lot of treasury ladders for clients. Mm. And the rates are very, very attractive. We're talking about planning as a couple. If you qualify, we are big fans of healthcare savings accounts. Oh, the nicest thing about it, uh, HSA account, it's until you're off leaving this earth. <laughs> so it's tax-free money, it's growing tax-free, and you get to spend it for any medical issues. Chances are at some point, if you have some longevity, you're going to be using this money. And if something happens where you leave unexpectedly, you can leave it to your beneficiaries. So the money's never wasted. But basically, if you're in a 25% tax bracket, you're getting 25% off your health care. Robert Chastain, Branch Director and Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management, Southwest Florida. Okay, those are some of the tools. Let's talk about what you want to build. And let's talk about understanding and aligning goals because that's important. You know, Danny, we're talking about partners, significant others, and the biggest thing here, communicate. Let's talk about this, talk about it, talk about it. And that's coming from a guy, right? Let's talk, <laughs> yes, yeah. you know? The second thing is, do we have a budget? Are we living to our budget? A lot of times, us being financial advisors, a couple, they'll use us as the third-party tiebreaker. Mm. You know, if, if they differ on opinion, they'll use us to break the tie. And sometimes that's better than beating up your spouse or significant other. Sure. We might break the tie, but it's with your best interest at heart. And I think that's absolutely. Yeah, I think that's really important. Risk is something and risk really involves compromise if both halves of the couple are not quite as comfortable with risk as the other. 
it's the area where I see the largest disparity between husband and wife. You'll see the husband say, I want to swing through the jungle like Tarzan, and the wife saying, Jane saying, no, we're not leaving the ground. So it's a great conversation to have. Explain risk, why you're doing what you're doing, why it does make sense, why it wouldn't make sense, and as you age, why your risk profile should start declining. Again, it's a great conversation to have, and it's very, very important that both spouses understand the amount of risk they are taking on a daily basis. You know, folks, as a couple, you'll need to negotiate these shifting priorities. You'll need to incorporate them into your investing strategy. But the best strategy, regardless of your priority, start as soon as possible. Time is your biggest ally when it comes to investing, especially investing in assets like stocks, stock funds, the highest potential long-term returns. Robert, before we let you go, got to give out our phone number because it's important. Yes, uh, any folks out there who would like to call me directly, you can get me at 239 239- Three five zero six three six three. Robert Chastain, Branch Director and Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Thank you, Danny. Bye-bye. We're going to be right back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. Need to reach Annex Wealth Management but want to skip the computer? No problem. Call us, 239-350-6363. 239-350-6363. Let's talk soon. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services at Annex Wealth Management. He's back to talk about the humble and lovable 401k and how it can be one of your most powerful tools in a couple of different ways when it comes to investment and retirement planning. Welcome back, Tom. Always a pleasure, Danny. Humble and lovable it is, isn't it? It is. We're in a meeting recently. Our senior management shared new companies are coming on board to utilize retirement plan services, the team at Annex. At the core, what are we doing for those companies? We do a lot of stuff, but you can break it down into three main things. We obviously help with investments in the 401k. So we help the employer figure out from among all the investments in the world out there, which ones are we going to make available to our employees? And then we help the employers. This is, I think, a big difference between our team and a lot of the other ones out there. Our clients are themselves fiduciaries, right? So we always talk about Annex being a fiduciary. Well, in the case of 401k plans, the client is also a fiduciary. So we help them understand what are those fiduciary responsibilities that they have and kind of help them keep on top of that and, you know, some of the administrative aspects of the plan. And then the last thing is we help the employees not only figure out how to invest their money, but really how to be financially well. How much should you save for retirement? Should you do pre-tax or should you do Roth? How does this whole 401k plan incorporate into your financial life? What's not to like? And in the ongoing battle over getting employees hired and keeping them, right kind of benefits program might tip the scales in the employer's favor when it comes to somebody who might have those multiple offers. Fidelity recently published a study that said 34% of employers are looking for a new retirement plan advisor specifically to help with their employees' wellness and figuring out how to use these benefits. The way that we engage with employees is honestly the most fun part of our job, but it's also the most meaningful. It is a benefit that employers are starting to understand is really critically important, and there's so much that goes into that retirement benefit than just the retirement account itself. Let's talk about that 401k. If an employer's plan is set up correctly, using them, fairly simple, new employee joins, and how do they enroll? Is it automatic now? It depends. More and more of the employers are adopting automatic enrollment provisions, meaning once you meet eligibility requirements, they just start taking money out of your paycheck and it goes into your account. It is a voluntary benefit. So in those situations, if you want to do something different, you have the ability to make that election. If you don't do anything, the inertia is going to go in your favor. You know, at that point, the employee 
needs to decide how much of the paycheck is going to go into that plan. And you and I are right on the same page on this. If it doesn't hurt a little. Definitely not enough. <laughs> That's how I look at it. I used to say, if it doesn't hurt a little, it's probably not enough. Now I've, you know, I moved that to, it's definitely not enough. You've got to have some skin in the game. You know, saving for retirement, I always tell people is simple, but don't confuse simplicity with ease. Saving money is not easy. But it is very simple. You just decide you're going to do it and you do it. Pick an amount that you're going to notice. Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services, Annex Wealth Management. Here's another factor. And if you're a fairly new employee, you need to know this. What you contribute to that account is not counted as taxable income during that tax year. That's huge. Right. So if you're doing pre-tax, that is correct. Keep in mind, if you're doing Roth, then the tax dynamics are a little different. Either way, whether you're doing pre-tax or Roth, you are getting a tax benefit. It's just a question of whether it's happening now or later. And that is one of the things that we help people figure out, which is the right strategy for you, because it just depends on your personal situation what the best way to go is going to be. You got to decide how those contributions are allocated. How much help is available for that? You, you got to think about risk tolerance. Yeah, well, it depends on who you're working with. So, you know, when people ask who does your 401k, you think of that website that you go in to log in and, you know, look at your account balance and see your investments and stuff like that. They're not going to be able to give you explicit advice on where to invest your money. That's where Annex comes in. So, when we're sitting down next to someone, helping them enroll in the plan or just having an update meeting with them, whatever it is, we do have the ability to give very explicit advice. You should put 10% in this fund, 20% in that fund. A lot of advisors are not allowed to do that just because they're not acting in a fiduciary capacity. So the answer to that question, again, it depends on who you're working with as a company, whether you're going to get that level of, of advice. We talk about maxing out. A lot of times people will say, oh yeah, I'm putting in the max, you know, because my employer matches up to 6%. So I put in 6%, I'm maxing out. It's like, whoa, 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 hold on a second. There's a maximum legal limit. And then there's the maximum practical limit. You know, some people would say that would just blow a hole in my budget. So you've got to find the right balance for you. But understand that if your employer provides a match, that's not the limit, generally speaking, of what you're going to be able to do. There's more room above and beyond that. Let's switch gears. There is the great resignation going on. Lots of people are leaving jobs. They're going to other jobs. If they've got a 401k, decisions need to be made. It is incredible how often people leave this money behind. We're actually working with a client currently who has just over 500 total account balances in their plan. 270, some of them, are former employees. And they've just left that money behind. So we're working through that with them, trying to clean up the plan. This is something that if you're one of those people, when you go on to the next job, depending on the size of your account, sometimes it's more efficient to just roll it into your new employer's plan. If you got seven or 8,000 bucks, it's an easy way to do it. But if you've built up a meaningful balance over the time that you've been at that employer, that's where you want to start exploring other options. So you get it into a managed account and have somebody help you with that to make sure that your whole financial life is being coordinated. Company owners, CFOs, HR professionals, you know it. It's a battle out there for talent. Create benefits plans that attract and retain employees, and Annex Wealth Management can help you with that. Yes, we can, and we love doing it. Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services, Annex Wealth Management. As always, thanks for the education. Thank you, Danny. Someone asks how you are. Most of the time, it's good. So how's your money, your investments, your retirement plans? Given everything going on, good might not be the answer. It's time for Annex Wealth Management. Head to AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. Annex will build a plan that addresses your financial, retirement, tax, and estate planning. Annex Wealth Management can change the conversation. We don't want you to answer, good. We want you to feel the confidence of saying, great. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management. AnnexWealth.com. 
It's Ask Annex. We are back. Got a question for us? You head to our website, AnnexWealth.com. Look for the Ask tab. If we can help, you click the Get Started button. Sarah Kyle, a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. Hey. Hey. And Matt Morsey, investment team manager at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back. Hey, Danny. First question is from Tim. How can I get access to what's said on an earnings call? Yeah, good question, Tim. Uh, easiest way is really just going to the company website. There's probably some apps out there that you could pay for that will bring a lot of them together. But from a free standpoint, if you go directly to their website, they'll have it. Uh, you can also reach out to their investor relations department as well, too, and they'll provide that for you as well as some other information. And lastly, from a reading standpoint, they do publish quarterly and annual paperwork a 10K or a 10Q that will go into a lot of that detail as well, too. That's paperwork that they have to file with the SEC and other regulators that will provide a lot of information. We just went through earnings season and probably a lot of earnings calls. Any idea how many the investment team listened to? Over 100, I would say, you know, when you break it down with the different holdings we have and within client portfolios as well, sometimes just for additional research on potential names that we're looking for going forward. Next question is anonymous. What's the difference between fundamental and technical analysis? Fundamental analysis essentially is trying to come up with a, uh, an intrinsic value or what value you believe the company is worth today. You're generally going to use financial statements to look at the health of the company. You're going to make some assumptions on what the future growth rate of that company is going to be, maybe what the industry is doing, and, and then uh, macro analysis on the economy as well, too. So you're really trying to pinpoint what you think the value of the company is, and then you compare it versus the stock price to decide if it's overvalued or undervalued. Technical analysis is more chart-based, so it's basically more on what the trend of that company is, how it's trading. It doesn't matter what the company is. Are they a healthy company, not a healthy company? It's really just from a charting standpoint. People who are into technical analysis would probably go much, much farther in that explanation because there's lots of different ways to do it. You know, at Annex here, we really try to combine both of them. A lot of times what we're looking at is the fundamental analysis or what the value we believe is from a company standpoint. And if we like the company, we might use some technical analysis indicators to say whether or not it's a good time to buy right now or we might want to hold off. Likewise, if we want to sell too, we might look at the chart as well and see if it's a good time or again to hold off. It's Ask Annex. Next question is anonymous. I have no appetite for individual stocks. What am I missing? Uh, Matt and I were talking about this. We don't think you're missing anything. Everybody has their own personal preference, and you can get plenty of diversification through mutual funds and low-cost ETFs. Yeah, I think you're spot on. You know, everybody has to make that decision for themselves what they're comfortable with when it comes to investing. So not just what your risk tolerance is, which is how much equities versus fixed income, but how are you going to actually invest within that? Some people really like individual equities and like to see that volatility that they might see within the different positions. Other people are more comfortable with smoothing that out with the mutual fund or ETF. thing to keep in mind, though, too, is underneath that mutual fund or ETF, you have stocks moving in all different directions all the time, but sometimes it's a little bit easier not to see all of that intertrading. Yeah, and some people like to use those individual stocks also to control taxes and their capital gains. We don't have control over when the mutual fund decides to put out capital gains, but you do in your individual stocks. Next one is anonymous as well. I was recently widowed and have excess life insurance proceeds to invest. Is that considered income? I'll continue to work for another four years at least. Well, generally, life insurance payouts are tax-free, but there are certain situations where they could be taxed. A couple examples would be if the insurer issues the death benefit in installments or if the death benefit becomes part of your state and exceeds the exemption limit. So I would just consult your tax professional just to double-check your certain situation. Next up is from Thomas. Have you seen success with front-loading a financial plan with travel expenses in the first five years, knowing that later traveling might be more of a challenge? I'm no wealth manager, but 
Yes, right? Right. Well, that's what we refer to as the go-go years, the slow-go years, and the no-go years. So at the beginning of your retirement, you're going, you're traveling, you're so excited that you have the time now. and go, You can go see the world, you can go visit family. Then you start to slow down a little bit because you traveled, you've done things, you know, you don't have as much energy as you used to have. And then the no-go years where you're physically unable to travel. So everybody's situation is different. But the nice thing about our planning software is we have the ability to illustrate all sorts of different scenarios on the fly right in the meeting with our clients. We'd like to be conservative with our projections. So we initially stress that financial plan and assume our clients are really spending the same amount when they first retire as they do right up into the day they die. But we generally break out that travel expense from the living expenses. And typically, we have that occurring for between 10 to 15 years after retirement. But keep in mind that that money that was earmarked for travel may be replaced with higher medical expenses in the future. And our final question is anonymous. And actually, he says, not a question, just want to say thanks for the millionaire myths on last week's show. It wasn't easy getting to where I'm at, and everything you said was true. Sarah, it really gets to the whole planning aspect. I mean, we've got some folks that are easily millionaires, and they didn't get it handed to them. Mm -hmm. They didn't necessarily, you know, come from an Ivy League school. They built businesses, and then at a certain point, they need the financial plan that will carry them through. They've been so busy. I'm sure you know small business owners that just blood, sweat, and tears that they're pouring into. Yep, yep. And they, you know, they realize that they need the help. At some point, their life gets a little bit more complex on the financial side, and they seek out a wealth manager, and then we take them to that next step. Yeah, I mean, it's legacy stuff, but it's tax planning stuff if they're going to sell the business as well. So there's a lot that goes into it. Investment, Mm -hmm. retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning. We do it as a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference? Our website is AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Matt Morsey, CFP and an investment team manager. Thanks. Thank you, Darren. Sarah Kyle, wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. You're welcome. Working together on a financial plan as a couple, why it's so important. That's next with Robert Chastain, branch director and wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management, Southwest Florida. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management show on 92.5 Fox News. It starts with a call. With one call, you can start seeing your future more clearly. If your financial picture is cloudy because you're getting conflicting tax, investment, and estate planning advice, help is a call or a click away. Annex Wealth Management's team works to get your investment plan in line with your tax plan and your estate plan. Build confidence with one team working to create one comprehensive plan as a fee-only fiduciary. Annex Wealth Management. One team, one plan, one fee. AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development at Annex Wealth Management. She's many things, CFP, CDFA, and a wealth manager at Annex. Welcome back. Hi, Danny. There's probably some things I missed. Folks, sorry to be a wet blanket, but we're in tax season. And to be clear, we're in tax prep season. That is completely different than tax planning season. At the top, Deanne, let's explain the difference. What's the difference between tax planning and tax prep? Well, prep happens around, you know, when we have to file our taxes, but planning, well, that would pretty much be all year round. Anytime someone makes any kind of change to income or anything that would impact expenditures where they need to go back and verify sources of income, resources of investments, that would also be tax planning. And I would argue tax planning is one of the most important parts of financial planning when you're in the years leading up to and through retirement. There you go. Nicely put. Let's talk about financial planning 
in a changing tax world because that's where we're at. As you know, tax laws change. It's important to react properly to those changes. Obvious question, why is tax planning so important right now? Well, there actually have been literally hundreds of tax law changes in the past five years or so, starting with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. That was enacted in 2018 is when it started. It changed the tax brackets. And then there was a SECURE Act that happened in 2019. And, you know, last year in December, the SECURE Act 2 came out and that clarified and made some further tax law changes, definitely retirement changes. Um, There was also the Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2021, not to mention the CARES Act for coronavirus relief that happened in 2020 and the American Rescue Plan Act in 2021 and even the Inflation Reduction Act last year in August of 2022 dropped in and sneaked in some new tax code changes. So just a few things. We're, (laughs) We're not far into 2023. Something big happens at the end of 2025. Yeah, so that'll be a fun year for planning because that's when the Tax Cuts and Job Act sunsets and the tax codes, the way we've had them for the past couple of years, revert back to the way they were in 2017. So it brings back, for example, that 15% tax bracket for people. Now, we're hoping Congress will enact some changes and either make part of the current code and the current act permanent or fix the tax code so everybody doesn't get a tax hike come 2026. Nope. Don't want that. We're no. Dan Phillips, financial planning in a changing tax world. So let's talk about what has changed. How about Secure Act 2.0? There were some things in there. Right. So Secure Act 2.0 had over 100 different provisional changes into tax code. But one of the biggest was that people going through retirement tend to focus on naturally would be the change in required minimum distribution ages. It has been extended yet again. So the original Secure Act exchanged the age of those required required minimum distributions, also called RMDs, from 70 and a half to 72. It was like a direct little hop. But the SECURE Act 2 last December changed those RMDs potentially from 72 to age 73 or 75, depending upon the year you were born. If you were born previous to 1951, there's no change. But if your birthday is between 1951 and 59, your new RMD age is 73. If you were born in 1960 or beyond, your new required minimum distribution age is 75. My head is spinning. So depending on the situation would call for a different tactic or a different strategy. For some, and again, it's some, it might be making QCDs or qualified charitable distributions. Who's in that category? This one's interesting because this is a case where the government actually kept that half a year. So at age 70 and a half, even though there are no more RMD requirements, you can still make a qualified charitable distribution from a traditional IRA if you're over 70 and a half. Now, obviously, you have to have the vehicle that you're donating from the IRA. These are for people who typically take the standard deduction on their tax form and are used to making cash contributions to qualified charities. As a reminder, that standard deduction, if you're single, is $13,850 for this year. And if you're married, the joint filing Standard deduction is 27700 Remember, if you're over the age of 65, you get that additional $1,500 standard deduction per person, too. 
Head spinning, but again, this is about tax planning. Tax planning using HSAs, that might be something else somebody else might use. This is a health care savings account. We love them because they're actually triple tax advantaged. You're putting away money in a pre-tax account, a lot of times through work, and you pull it out tax-free. It grows tax-deferred, but as long as it's used for qualified health care expenses, again, you get that triple tax advantage. Another situation might be net unrealized appreciation. Again, different strategy. So in UA, this is called net unrealized appreciation applies to employer stock that's held in your company retirement plan in your name. For example, if your company stock is publicly traded on the stock market and you're holding that stock in your employer-sponsored retirement plan and that stock is highly appreciated, so from where it was put into your plan or you purchased it, it's really gone up in price and... Third qualifier, if you're eligible to take a lump sum distribution from your plan, there are some tax advantages potentially that you can utilize with this strategy. Financial planning in a changing tax world, Roth conversions can play a part? Yes, they can. So a lot of people hear Roth conversion and it's so much in the news people think, should I take advantage of this? So a Roth conversion is when you take a distribution from a traditional IRA and you're placing it into the Roth. So you're paying tax on what you take, but you're putting it into a vehicle that was funded with after-tax dollars and it grows completely tax-free. And you pull it out completely tax-free. It's a great potential planning tool depending on your goals. Dan, the point is, is tax planning is a year-round discipline and it's something that we do for our clients at Annex Wealth Management. Oh, absolutely. All day long. And it's particularly important to focus on the tax planning again when you're going to and through retirement. Dan Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development at Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, Sunday, March 12th. We're going to be right back. 92.5 Fox News. It starts with a call. With one call, you can start seeing your future more clearly. If your financial picture is cloudy because you're getting conflicting tax, investment, and estate planning advice, help is a call or a click away. Annex Wealth Management's team works to get your investment plan in line with your tax plan and your estate plan. Build confidence with one team working to create one comprehensive plan as a fee-only fiduciary. Annex Wealth Management. One team, one plan, one fee. AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? Jill Martin, a wealth strategist and estate planning attorney at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back, Jill. Thanks, Danny. So your role is to work with our clients on their estate planning strategy. It's a dot your I's, cross your T's discipline. Much of it to fulfill legacy issues, but some to avoid a lot of pain and frustration for errors. Going to go over a list of big mistakes with wills, and we probably can skip a discussion on one of them, and that's not having a will at all. Absolutely. I mean, that's rule number one is that everybody needs one. Doesn't matter how much net worth you have, everybody should still have one as part of their comprehensive plan. But a close cousin of not having one at all is procrastinating. Well, that's a big one, right? And everybody does it. No one wants to think about or contemplate their own death. And so it's really hard to start that conversation sometimes. And there are people that as soon as they think about it, they're stalled and they can't get past it. But at some point in time, we all end up getting there. It's just, when does that happen for each of us? Yeah, it sure does. Here's one that we've spoken of before, mistake with wills, dropping large inheritances in 
airs laps. And I know I can hear a number of people in the audience going, oh, please, just try me. Right. Wouldn't we all love to have the rich Aunt Betty that we didn't know of leave us a million dollars? Sure. But what we're talking about here is really thinking through, are those people capable of handling a large inheritance? More so than great that you have it, but right when we're talking about minor children or young beneficiaries that aren't established in their life, and all of a sudden it's almost like a lottery win. And so a large sum of money could all of a sudden be blown really, really fast. Not that we've ever seen a lottery winner blow their money. Never, but, right, never. Right. So yeah, you got to think about that. And if you're going to leave a lot of money to somebody, you got to set it up in a proper manner. Yeah. And so that's where a lot of times we people think about using trusts for beneficiaries. Not We're not talking about living trusts or revocable trusts. We're talking about putting the money in trust for the benefit of someone else to help control a financial management, distribution control, making sure it's used for proper things. So it isn't that windfall, hey, we just won the lottery effect. The other part of it is to think through of, will that have a substantial impact on the lifestyle or the values of that person? Will it really change them? And is that what you want to do if they're not used to having that type of a windfall? How do we want to make sure that their personality doesn't change? Wills are kind of the umbrella. Do trusts sit underneath wills? Yes. So when, when we're talking about estate planning, right, wills and revocable trusts are kind of the two core things that we look at all the time. Basically, the difference is, is wills, we end up going through probate to have them administered and settled, whereas with revocable trusts, we don't. And so what we're trying to do is decide, do we want court involvement? And sometimes we do, or don't we? As soon as you said, and sometimes we do, I was about to say, do we? I don't think we do. There are times when a probate proceeding is preferred. There's a time when there's going to be more debts than there are expenses. So the probate administration ends up kind of like a bankruptcy settlement. If we know beneficiaries are going to fight tooth and nail and there's going to be litigation. And sometimes that just can't be avoided. So the court is ultimately the referee and the decider. So then everyone gets their quote unquote day in court. They're the adult in the room. Yes. Joe Martin, a wealth strategist and estate planning attorney at Annex Wealth Management, talking about mistakes with wills. So my wife and I did a will over 15 years ago. Our boys were in middle school. It has not been updated. Skipping regular updates, that's a mistake, isn't it? I don't know that it's a mistake, but it's something that maybe an update isn't needed, but you should dust it off and take a look at it. What I tell people is every three to five years, pull that thing out and make sure it's still what you expect it to be and what you understand it to be. That's where a lot of times people do something and they forget what it says. So that's where I come into play for our clients here at Annex is to, hey, let's dust that off. Is this what you remember it being? And if not, hey, let's refresh your memory and make sure that this is what you want. Or if it's not, then we need to make updates big part of that is the people that you name in there to be those executors, trustees, powers of attorney. Are those still the people that you want? There you go, right there. We mention this often, but it still happens. Mismatching beneficiaries. Happens all the time. And so what happens is, is if your estate plan says, I leave everything to my three kids, but the beneficiary designation on that long lost life insurance policy or that old 401k for some reason only names two of those kids, we've unintentionally disinherited that third because we forgot to update things. Mm. And so we really want to make sure as part of that plan, once you get the documents done as part of that estate plan, you got to go double, triple check every asset, every account to make sure it's going to follow that plan. 
And our final point, and I guess we should just use the word transparency. It really helps, especially when you want to head off conflicts. Yeah, so transparency, a.k.a. communication, making sure that everyone knows what's going on, right? You never want to have unexpected things happening for your heirs because they may have a preconceived notion about what they are going to inherit. And if all of a sudden you haven't done anything to combat that or to tell them, no, this is how it's going to be, that's where things head towards litigation or conflict. Or a lot of times estate plans can break the family apart, never to have people talk to each other again. And the last thing you want to do is have a legacy where you've broken your family as part of it as an unintended consequence for lacking communication. And that happens and we'd like to prevent that. It's complex and we're ready to help. Jill Martin, Wealth Strategist, Estate Planning Attorney at Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Sunday, March 12th. Hey, how about trying on retirement part-time? Might be the way to at least investigate it. Dip your toe in the water. We'll talk about that next on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. If the only tool you have is a hammer, everything you fix looks like a nail. Same thing goes for some annuity salesmen. Need help with tax planning? Maybe you need an annuity. Recession coming? Have you tried an annuity? Retirement planning? You get the picture. Sometimes you need more than a one-tool solution. It's time for serious fee-only fiduciary planning from Annex Wealth Management. Our in-house team of experts will offer you a rigorously tested plan built just for you. Annex Wealth Management. Know the difference. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management. Dean Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development, CFP, and a CDFA at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back. Hi. A lot of talk about people retiring early. We also hear stories about people regretting retiring early. Do you need to go from straight up working to entirely retired? Maybe not. Maybe what you need to consider is trying it on, maybe on a part-time basis. Maybe you can call it retirement dating, and that's what we're going to talk about. Deanne, before any of these steps are in place you got to have a plan in place. You absolutely do. You need to understand your cash flows, your resources, the viability of those resources to be able to work in a tax-efficient manner on your behalf. First suggestion for people trying retirement on in a part-time basis, try out different retirement destinations. I know you've kind of dug into this. Yeah, I really have. So especially as we get closer to a transition like retirement, we might have this vision that starts to blossom and come into fruition of what we imagine our retirement might be like. We see ourselves there. You know, maybe Maybe we've communicated that with a life partner. Maybe we haven't. If we haven't, never is too late to start that communication. (laughs) But if it involves something dramatically different than the current situation, like a change in locale, then you really need to give that some thought and try it out. And not necessarily as a tourist going to a resort and spending a week there. Really immerse yourself in that different location. So you're checking out the social environment, the weather, the viability and the closeness of the resources you need. Like how easy is it to get your groceries? What's the accessibility to your health care? How are the roads if you have to drive to and from every day on this road? You know, so really checking that out. I can't tell you how many clients I've heard that have gone to different locations. And within a couple years, they said, you know what, I had no idea the traffic was this bad, or I had no idea it would be such a a terrible plane ride just for my family to come or me to see them, and they end up moving again. Next up, if you're thinking about trying out retirement on a part-time basis, play around with how you're going to use your free time, and that is a big challenge. Yeah, it's how you're going to fill those 40 hours that you used to spend at work and what you see yourself 
doing? Are, are you the babysitting grandparent? And if so, what's the balance of family time and you time, right? Are you the person who likes to volunteer all the time? And what does that look like? Does taking up a hobby you never had before when you were working make your soul sing? The thing about that that we have to be careful of in this case is sometimes we, if you're an A-type personality especially, dive into that hobby full time and all of a sudden it can feel like work. How about you're your doing gardening thing? All the time. You know, so this is interesting, Danny. So I'm a master gardener volunteer. I thought this would be what I'd want to do in retirement. And I'm a ways off in retirement, but I went ahead and got my certification while I'm still working because I found that I took a look at my budget and I was spending so much money on my own garden. And I had to do some soul searching and say, is it about my garden or just gardening? And I realized that I could volunteer that made me happy to a public ground. I could see the fruition. I was doing the act. That was it. Hey, saves my budget and kind of taught me a little lesson about balance, too, for the future. Interesting. You mentioned budget. There's another suggestion is to try living with your retirement budget ahead of time. Why is that important? You know, one miscalculation that we do tend to see are people thinking they're going to spend less in retirement. I mean, who really wants to cut back on their lives all of a sudden when they've got this extra time? So looking at resources, what they've saved, income, and what they have left over, and maybe if they want to leave anything for future generations, set your goals first. Understanding this exercise and knowing what you can spend is actually a powerful exercise. It gives you a powerful advantage when you're planning for retirement. It builds you up for success because you can make choices then based upon what you can spend. Now, people who start thinking about who they want to be, what they want to do, where they want to do it, who they want to do it with, it really empowers them with knowing they have the resources and they tend to start their transition into retirement on a happier note or at least a less frustrating one. Remember, happy retirement, like a happy relationship, it takes soul searching. You mentioned that earlier. That's a conversation that we have with all of our clients. What is it that you want? What, what is it that's important to you? Absolutely. We're not retiring from something. We're retiring to something. And this is important no matter what age you are. You know, we have an awful lot of 40-somethings that are doing the FIRE method and want to retire early as well. Then they've got even more decades of what am I going to do to make me happy? So this is a much deeper, holistic conversation than just, am I going to run out of money? You know, I just read a piece recently, you know, there's this huge thing called the Great Resignation. That's people that retire early and then it is turned into the Great Regret and you don't want that. No, you definitely don't want that. And we all know people, too, who have worked, 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 retired, and then passed away because they have no goals, no ideals, nothing to look forward to. So we are a social race, the human beings. We need, again, to have something to dream for, to think about, to long for, to want to do. Have you heard the stories of people that have retired and then regretted it? Yeah. Or, you know, also they've hugged onto their dream no matter what. Like we have people who say, OK, I'm done now. I'm getting that boat. I'm getting that RV. And they sell their house. They immerse themselves fully in this. Well, kudos for them. But then they find out, oh, gosh, I'm a little seasick or that <laughs> RV breaks down all the time. I don't want to do this or it's hard to get my mail or now I can't see my kids. So that's why picking a location, finding a lifestyle and testing the water kind of 
of dating it a little bit to and through the transition of retirement can really help you settle into a happier future. It's important, folks. Get a plan. Investment, retirement planning, tax planning, estate planning. That's what we do as a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference? Our website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Start that wealth metric process. Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development, CFP, CDFA at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. Hey, thanks for having me. The Annex Wealth Management Investment Committee is locked and laser-focused on every aspect of the markets. Go deep with the SWAT podcast. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Delivered every Monday morning on Spotify. Search Annex Wealth Management for the SWAT podcast. We're back. Quick reminder, this show, the entire show, is going to be available on demand anytime you want. It's going to be at the top of the hour on Spotify, but maybe throughout the week, if you didn't hear the whole thing and want to go back and hear it, that would be great. Again, just go to Spotify and search Annex Wealth Management. In the studio, Derek Felsky, our Chief Investment Officer. Dave Spano, President and CEO, Annex Wealth Management. Thanks, Danny. You know, when I talk about elite wealth management firms, there is a difference. And to know the difference really means there's two sides. There's one, of course, which is the planning side. Who is doing the planning? On our team, we have estate planning lawyers, we have CPAs, we have MBAs, CFAs, and the like, and that is one half of it. That is the planning side. The other side, of course, is the investment side, and that's why we spend a lot of time on this show talking about strategies and themes. And, you know, you think about from 30,000 feet the fact that we're having an aging population, and, of course, of healthcare remains at the top of the mind. Right. I mean, we've had it tactical exposure to healthcare really since I've been with Annex, which is over 10 years. And and the reason is pretty simple. The, the U.S. healthcare industry leads in innovation. It's a counter-cyclical uh, group in the sense that it's defensive. They tend to produce earnings in good times and bad. And, and finally, the valuations there are very attractive. And so, you know, it, it ha- offers those defensive characteristics that you like in a slowing economy, but you also have to be selective. You know, some companies like these, you know, managed care companies are poised to save taxpayers billions billions and billions of dollars through their arrangements with the federal government. Then some of the pharmaceutical companies, you know, innovative therapies, uh, the ability to scale and and terrific uh, sales forces. So healthcare has been a theme for us for a long period of time. And the other one uh, that remains a a strong theme of ours is energy. We do believe there's been underinvestment in energy. We believe that as as China reopens and the global economy starts to get back on its feet, perhaps in 2024, uh, that energy demand will rise and the transition to green energy will take longer than many would like to think. And you think about, for example, supply and demand. Supply is shrinking not only here in the United States, but we see what is happening in Russia as well, and that is part of the equation. Right. And and again, these are companies that generate tremendous free cash flow, pay dividends, or buying back shares, have rationalized. They're not, you know, it's not the boom and bust sector that it used to be, where it was really beholden to the economy to generate profits. They, they generally have done a very good job of of managing costs. And in addition, they are making investments in green energy as well. Some of the oil companies like ExxonMobil have, have spent billions of dollars on green energy. Yeah, no question. And the last thing I want to just touch on is, you know, you can't get away from watching all of this geopolitical tension, not only, of course, in Russia and Ukraine, but also with China. That doesn't seem to get uh, be getting better right now. So there's two terms that I want people to, to realize, deglobalization and nearshoring. 
Right. I mean, deglobalization is is the understanding of the part of the United States and, and the Western world, really, that you have to diversify your supply sources, because in the event that there's a bad relationship, say, with the Chinese, that can make it difficult to get the products and, and ingredients that you need. And then nearshoring is another reaction to that. It's building semiconductor companies in Arizona or Nashville, Tennessee, and, and manufacturing the ingredients that go into Tylenol and the rest. That's, that's one way of playing defense in an uncertain geopolitical world. And so, folks, this is the reason why we talk about being an elite wealth management firm, going through and making sure that you are making the adjustments to a portfolio. This is not set it and forget it or slam it into a fixed annuity type. This is really going through the process and making sure that your financial plan is being helped along by true professionals. And number two, that your portfolio is making the adjustments that it needs to make. You know, Dave, I've often said that there's so much that we impart on this show that we, quote, give away yeah, for free. We do. Yeah. But I'll tell you, folks, there's so much that you don't see if you're not a client of Annex Wealth Management. It's the way we work together. It's when you have a question that you can get the answer, that we're looking ahead instead of having to maybe react to something. Uh, you know, what not, is it? A lot of moving parts. Lot, oh, so many moving parts. And really, the team that is ready to do that, what we do is investment and retirement planning, tax planning, estate planning. That's a phrase I say all the time, but each of those four departments are stacked with very smart people. And when you're a client of Annex Wealth Management, they're working for you. They're working for you via the wealth manager. It all starts in a simple exchange of information. You head to our website, you click the Get Started button. That doesn't activate anything. It just starts the conversation. If your plan is on track to handle threats from inflation and volatile markets, great. Is your plan on track to take advantage of opportunities that are bound to present themselves? Raise the confidence. Put Annex on your side. Have a great week. See you next Sunday noon. Hope you can join us. If not, we'll be on Spotify. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. The Annex Wealth Management Show is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation.